Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, the interview series. I'm Gary Lawless, and today's guest is Jonathan Marcheseau. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Gary. How are you? Good. I was sitting with uh, my esteemed colleague, Dan Duva, the other day talking about uh, getting ready to do this podcast, and I said, I have my first question for Jonathan. Hit it. When's the first time someone told you you were too small? <laughs> uh, I mean, every every year. <laughs> uh, I think I remember. I think remember when it when it hits me when I was actually knowing, kind of realizing I was smaller than everyone. I was probably seven, eight years old. Trying to make every year was always trying to make some teams. And I wouldn't make them because too small, too small. So at some point. Uh, where I started playing some better, be, better, um, higher level hockey when I started playing double A back home, it was uh, I was not in, even invited to the training camp that first year, and uh, some one of my friends couldn't go because it was too far, like the double A hockey and everything. So the I replaced him to go at training camp. It was like out of 50 kids. You're filling. I was filling, and uh, I, I ended up making that team. Yeah, that's how it all started. What has it done to you? Uh, motivation. Uh, I mean, uh, just piling up the motivation every year. Just, I was never. I've I've been never, 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 like safe. Never, my spot always jeopardized all my all my life every year. My first year that I thought that maybe I would have a break is after my. 30 goal a year in Florida and again I didn't add one so I got uh, I got unprotected and after I wanted to show that I was a regular and after last year I was super happy but you see I come back at the beginning of last year I come back I was super after happy after my first year with the Golden Knights and see last year I didn't have a uh, satisfying year for me so it just keeps me back honest and uh, comes back to want to want to improve. <clears throat> if I said you were too small, you know what? You've already proven that's not true. So it, it, I'm guessing it wouldn't really bother you now. But if I said to you, I think you play small, and I don't. But if I said that to you, that that would be the worst, I think, because I know I'm small, but I know I don't play small. Has anyone ever said that to you? Never, never. That's uh, one of the big best uh, quality of my career. I think it's I never heard that I played small. I play, I play easily over six two. So I like to think that six two. Yeah, easily. <laughs> I like to think that, but I, it's obviously it's in the game of hockey. Consistency is one of the hardest things. So it's something that I'm still working on. And uh, two years ago was good, but last year was was not. Uh, was not on point. What does Fringlish mean? Uh, sometimes it's my language. It's like a mix of French and English, and no one can understand it. So what is uh, that? That's what I think. Frang Fringlish. Fringlish. I think yeah. I've I've heard Belmar say the Pierre Edouard Belmar say so to you, I "Don't speak Fringlish." Yeah. <laughs> can you give mix. me an example? Uh, no, it's just sometimes I I like to talk a lot, huh? so a lot of stuff comes out and doesn't make always sense. So, so it's. The way I think it is. you just did it right there yeah, by accident. Sense. <laughs> doesn't make sense. 
do you think in uh, this? This is curious for me. Do you think in French and then translate to English, uh, or do you think in English? Like I don't, on- I don't even think it anymore. Yeah. I just whatever I'm speaking with, it's going to come out French or English. So. Yeah, obviously I'm a little rusty sometimes in English, but uh, I'm not too bad. It's, you know, for people that live in Canada, we understand what the distinct society means. Yeah. There's another society in Quebec. Yeah. And it's, it's, in many ways, it is a separate country, yeah. but it's not, you know. Yeah. I know you're a proud Canadian, yeah. but you're also a proud Quebecois. Yeah, I'm proud to be a Quebecois. Uh, I would never want to separate... Quebec from Canada because I think Canada Canada is one of the best country in the world so I'm super proud to be Canadian and uh, yeah but, but, but the French the French culture is very important to you yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I look like I talk to my kids in French I want them to to learn French uh, well and uh, uh, yeah I'm super a uh, little bit severe on that on that part when they come home I want them to speak French to, to me and uh, my wife I grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan, and so like the the lore of the French Canadian player was something that I was you know I paid attention to. And uh, when my daughter was born, you know, in the collection of books that she got, the hockey sweater yeah. uh, was was one of those one of those books, and I loved reading it to her. And uh, uh, the vignette that they play at Canadian theaters before movies sometimes, yeah, it's you know it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure it's on YouTube, YouTube, yeah. but the hockey sweater. Uh, uh, that what's it like to grow up a hockey player in Quebec? And then now when you go back, someone said to me, being a hockey player in Quebec City is like being Jack Nicholson in L.A. Yeah, I believe it. It's honestly, it's it's more than a religion down there. It's just, it's just people live for hockey and it's such a, it's a pride that we have to. It's like... Uh, I think I had the nice, the the best childhood a kid could have. Just like going to skate at the outdoor rink with my buddies and like uh, bringing lunch. You, we would stay there for ten hours. Like it was crazy. It was unbelievable. And uh, over there is so popular. Everybody wants to like to have the ultimate dream to be a hockey player. And um, obviously, it it always depends of. Uh, I just. When I grew up, it was more of a like um, taking opportunity, but now I think it's hockey's getting a little uh, more politics uh, as we grow right now. So uh, uh, obviously, it's it's hard to to get through it, and uh, there's a lot of adversity. But I think if you stick with it, uh, good things gonna happen. One of my favorite hockey moments in my life, I was at Le Colisée in Quebec. This yeah. is when the Nordiques were still uh, were still in the NHL, and Celine Dion sang uh, the national anthem before the game, and the place just it was bonkers. Well, I don't know what uh, is more uh, pa- uh, what's more uh, a passion in Quebec City, Celine Dion or hockey? You know, that's the thing. Close tie. Yeah. <laughs> so and you grew up uh, in the orbit of one of. Quebec City's greatest, and that, and you know, Patrick Waugh has had such an impact on that city since he went back there to uh, to to coach with the, and yeah. uh, with the junior team. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's Patrick? Tell me your relationship with him and what he means to you. Yeah, I mean, I had him as a coach for four years in junior, my my full time in junior, and he uh, 
as a coach at the moment if you ask me during those four years was not necessarily a big fan of Patrick uh, he was super super hard for me uh, obviously we had our good times and our, our bad times but when it was bad it was he was a hard coach for me and I think he he's a big reason why I'm here I think he he teach me the one thing he teach me is uh, his passion for a game is remarkable I mean it's uh phenomenal it's uh, it's impressive the way he thinks the game the way he analyzes it and he, he's so good about it and uh, also he, he definitely made me uh, mentally really strong uh, right now since I've been a hockey player coming out of junior nothing gets to my head and it's a mental game and since I have that blocked and taken care of I think I can take care of uh, the way I play the game play the right way And a big part is because of him, because he's a big fan of uh, playing the right way and a good overall player. And uh, I think he he made me uh, he made me that kind of player. Did he did he tell you at some point in time that he thought you could play in the NHL? Like did he? Uh, did, 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 no, for him to be no, that hard not, on you, not on not not in junior. But I remember we talked maybe a few years after, and I was successful in the AHL. He's like, you know what? I really think he can make it. You'll have your chance one day. And uh, I know when he was coaching Colorado, he was trying to get me like uh, kind of a, one of those bubble guys to maybe if, if I can make my room and at camp or something. Uh, but it never end up uh, going. And uh, I mean, I'm, I still see him in the summer. We uh, we are at the same golf course. Uh, it's always fun to see him, talk to him. Uh, we have always always uh, good stories from our four years in junior and. Uh, Uh, one of his son, I'm super close to him. He's one, probably one of my best friend. And uh, uh, and yeah, the other son is actually uh, a singer, and he's doing super well. He was my roommate in junior. And he's a great guy. And his daughter goes out with uh, one of her uh, training buddies too. PC's one of her good friends from uh, we have been training with him for 12 years now. So so yeah, I always uh, stay close to the to the Roy family. You mentioned passion, and I can remember I was covering the World Juniors in 2005, and Sidney Crosby was a 17. That's the year of the lockout. So yeah. he was on a line with Bergeron, uh, Patrice Bergeron, and Corey Perry. Fantastic line yeah. at the World Juniors. They weren't, but they were like the third line. Yeah. The team was so stacked. Marc Lachapelle, who was the great writer for Le Journal de Montreal about the Quebec League. They called him the commissioner of the Q. Yeah. He had such power. He said to us at one time, he said, Crosby is, he said, I've seen the very best. Belleville, Lafleur, Lemieux. He's talking about the best Quebec yeah. type players. Yeah, yeah. And then, and Crosby was then in the Quebec League. Yeah. He said, and now Crosby is in that category. He said, the thing, because they're all talented and there's been guys that have been more talented. The thing that separates them is the passion. And I would say that that's what makes you so special. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I do. Like, that's my passion. Is I mean, it's there's a lot of sacrifice. That the time that I actually turned the switch on and like turn my diet and be so uh, so strict about my diet and my workout ethic and my my work ethic and everything. It's that's the time that I become a better player. Um, I I come to the rink with a smile and I'm passionate to to get better every day and I. I don't only want to get better. I want everybody around me to get better too, and I think that's the that's the mentality we're gonna have this year. Uh, 
because I think in that group we really believe we can win it. I think we we have everything we need to to win it all, and uh, uh, we're going to be a passionate group this year. We have seen that passion boil over a few times after games. You're very honest most nights, uh, every night after a game, if you don't think you've been good enough, yeah. you don't think the team has been good enough. And we saw the passion uh, the first time kind of in a real national setting was you, after game one in the Western Conference final in, in year one, you stood up and said, you know, what what we just did wasn't good enough. We have to be our best and we're going to be our best and we're going to win game two. And you did. And then Game 7 last season, after Game 7, after the loss to San Jose, you really boiled over there. Any regrets? No, never. Uh, I'm going to stand up with what I believe, and I still believe it. Like, uh, that situation, I mean, it's it's all in their honor. I mean, uh, obviously, down 3 nothing, 10 minutes to, to to do, and they came back, uh, three par, four power play goals and 4-3, and they went in overtime. I mean, it's, they were down 3-1 in the series. Like, it's, uh, they worked hard to win that series. And, uh, I mean, it's they have great players. They're a good team. Um, Got to give them credit at some point. Um, obviously, our uh, George and Kelly is not going to be happy that I talk about it because they told us that, it's time to let go. Like, let go, focus on next year. And obviously, I always do that. But in the back of my mind, they took advantage of the situation and good for them. But that situation should have never happened. I guess let it go and move on. But yeah. maybe keep a little bit at the back of your head. I have a little chip yeah. on your shoulder. Right? Yeah, it's a chip on your shoulder. That's for sure. For all of us. Have you seen your... I hear that they're doing a bobblehead. Have you, yeah. seen, have you seen it? Yeah, I did. Uh, it looks good. Looks yeah. good. I think I look better than that. You look yeah. better in yeah. real life than the bobblehead yeah, does. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> but it looks no, it looks good. I I, I don't even know what to say. About it. <laughs> There's no, you're a handsome guy. You know, <laughs> you're, you're not being you're not being uh, uh, overly uh, arrogant about nope. that. So I'll, uh, we'll we'll move on uh, on that. I, it's fun to be around the rink. I was talking with Derek Anglin about this other the other day. We see him with his boys, and we see you with your uh, yeah. with your crew. And uh, you just had a had another young son, and yeah. uh, I know you're excited about that. What's it like being able to bring your kids to the rink? Uh, it's actually the first uh, it's the first year that actually James is my oldest. He's five years old. Uh, that you can bring him, and he, I brought him mostly almost every day. I work out and he does his own thing. We have a little net upstairs with a few balls and he just pl- plays or he just hangs out around the, the gym and it's awesome to, to be uh, around the arena like that. And after he has his class, little class on the ice like uh, with a coach and uh, I can watch him from upstairs. And no, it's honestly, I'm so happy and uh, and proud of the, the little boy become. And uh, I, I can't wait to, I, I think we're, that's the start. I think I'm gonna try to definitely bring him more uh, around me and like uh, try to make him live a little bit of what I'm living. There's gonna be time when I would imagine when uh, you know, including your daughter, but lots of young ladies are playing hockey and uh, and hockey has really grown for for women. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a time when all four of them are gonna want to get in the uh, get in the <laughs> in yeah. the minivan. Yeah. You're gonna have to leave the expensive car at home some days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's. Uh, 
I always see my daughter. Uh, there's there's places you can bring them. Obviously, in the, in the locker room, daughters are not uh, not allowed or wives or anything, and uh, that's fine. But like my two, uh, she she has her own passions, and uh, she's super passionate about uh, dancing and tennis. So I think that's uh, what uh, we're gonna help her do. Um, but obviously, my two little boys are uh, my two youngest are. Uh, at some point, they're gonna come in five years. They're gonna be right where James is, and uh, they're gonna follow each other. And someone with James is gonna take care of them at the rink. You said to me one time you wanted to be a young father. Explain that to me. Uh, yeah, I always wanted to be a young father. It was a matter of like finding the uh, the the love of your life, and I was able to find it as a young age as well. And um, so we got we got kids. I, I got my first one. I was 23 years old, and my last one at 28. So uh, it's uh, I would, I'm super happy of uh, of having the opportunity of like being young and and growing growing with them. And I wanted to them to be part of like my uh, hockey career. And I think it's something special. And uh, I I really wanted them to to be there with me. You and James. Sometimes I see you guys w walking around, and it, it looks like two buddies. Yeah, it doesn't look like definitely. <laughs> I'm obviously his dad, but I mean, it's definitely he's my best friend. I, I I would hang out with him. Sometimes I would on a day off. I wish I could keep him at home and uh, just play with him all day. But I mean, obviously he has to go to school, and that's life. The with for four. I have one, and <laughs> I get tired. Like yeah. the, the energy must be, it, it it is important to be young and to have energy when you have that many. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I have. I mean, I'm young and I'm, I'm energetic. I I uh, I rest well when it's time, and uh, I love to 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 be around with the kids. For me, perfect day is all four kids, me and my wife at the house, and uh, just making cooking dinner and having fun in the pool and stuff like that. Cooking dinner. Yeah. What do you cook? Uh, anything. I'm a simple, a simple guy, so I, I'll cook something simple. But I'm a big. Uh, I like to eat healthy. Uh, but I'll cook. Uh, I'll cook anything. I like it. Are you a? We had lunch recently, and I ordered something. And after you saw me, how excited I was! You're like you waved down the waiter, and you got the same thing. Yeah. Are you a jealous orderer? Like if someone else orders something? No, no, I'm a. <laughs> I normally in restaurants, I take a lot of pride of picking well. So when I go with my wife, often she's gonna have to take half my plate and I'm gonna have to take whatever she doesn't want. And uh, so sometimes it gets good, it's gonna I, happen. So I love the specials. Like yeah. the menu's great, you know what I mean? If yeah. sees, but like if the chef has, has taken time to think up something and gone and specially got those ingredients, it's special. That's it why it's a special. I, agree. I, I like to try that. Me too. And then I always find, yes, my wife is like, you know, sneaking onto my plate. Do you mind sharing? I don't mind sharing. You don't? We have our little crew that we travel with, the, the broadcasters, Dan Duva doesn't mind sharing. Dave Gosher doesn't mind sharing. Shane Knighty is, uh, his plate Can't. is, his plate is his plate. I respect that. Respect you that. Yeah. There's, uh, I met a few guys like that too. Don't touch my plate. I won't touch yours. Nate Schmidt. Oh, he's the ever sharing guy. He does share. Oh, or he does he's, he's gonna order his meal, his appetizer. He's like, oh, guys, I think we should try that. So he's gonna order two, two, three more appetizer. Make sure we share everything. And uh, that's yeah. the, that's the kind of guy I want to have. Done I with. love it. Yes, I, I like it too. Yeah, and if uh, 
you're having a certain meal. You like to have a glass of wine. Yeah. What's your What's your? Uh, I'm a big cab guy. Really? Uh, yeah, big cab guy. Uh, obviously, I like a good beer. Corona, I would say my it's my favorite. Uh, can beat a Corona and lime for me. But, uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, I had a Cronenberg last night. It was crisp and dry. It was fantastic. Yeah. Really good. I have to try that then. Yeah. But a uh, big, uh, big wine guy. I like. I don't know much about it. No. But I told myself when I'm going to retire, I'm going to have plenty of time to, to, to do that. I hear Bill Foley knows a little bit about wine. Yeah, I should talk to him about it. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question for you. You're standing around with your buddies. No, there's no phones out. There's no microphones. There's just you and your pals, and maybe you've had a one or two. And one of them says, "What's that? What are the Golden Knights going to do this season?" What's the answer? Yeah, the I'm truthful a, answer. Truthful answer. Obviously, like I don't want to do that that ballsy thing that we're going to win it all. But uh, for me, I believe it. Like yeah. I believe we're going to win it. I believe people do not see us as a top three, top four teams. But I think uh, I think we'll definitely. Uh, Get back there. I'm going to put together a real tape this year of Fringlish. So yeah. Because your stall is so fun to be around on, yeah. on most oh, you uh, have, practice or game days. But you know? if, like, I remember David Perron said, we should, we should have a book with all the dumb stuff you say, <laughs> and it would be just so funny. And after last year, he's like, man, I regret so much not doing that book because there's a lot, and he forgets them all, but it's, it's on him. There you go. Well, we'll uh, we'll find a way to do that. Yep. Jonathan Marsh, so thanks very much for your time. I'm Gary Lawless. This is the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, the interview series. Thanks for listening. Let's uh, let's hit record here. And uh, we've already hit record, but let's get... Uh, well, there's Dan Duva. Can I, get, can I get one with Jonathan real quick? Yeah, sure. 7.30 a.m. Land at 1. That's our, that's the earliest besides the 11 o'clock we were looking at. Oh, can I... F- can think about it. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't say it. I said fudging. <laughs> Can you edit that, Mr. Duma? Yeah, oh, great. Perfect. All right. This okay. Is, this is not live. <laughs>